So welcome to the Retail Maverick Show, uncut, coming at you live from Olympia, uh, or as it's otherwise known, Crane Central. Uh, it'll be great when it's finished. Uh, so anyway, we are at the Retail Technology Show, and I am delighted to have here Ian Scott. Ian, welcome. Good morning, Andrew. Thanks for inviting me. So, um, as you know, these are uncut. Uh, we're, we're in the speaker lounge. There's a lot of uh, noise, background noise going on, but who cares? Uh, it's 15 minutes. So what I wanted to chat to you about was uh, you've been in London for a few days now, not just to show you've been doing some retail safaris. So I want to talk to you about that first and then get on. It's the start of day two, see what you're uh, looking forward to today. So tell us about, because I know you've been all over London. I saw all your stuff on uh, social media. You were yesterday, I think you were at Selfridges. And what was that other one? I've got are, are you mad? Are you? Tell me about that one first. Are, are you? Mad? Are you mad? Yeah, it's a fabulous. Um, uh, it's not really a store. It's a fabulous space. Um, and I actually stumbled across it doing a, a retail safari last year with a design agency from Germany. And we saw this building just off Carnaby Street, and they were like, "What's that?" And there was no label, and it looked like an artist studio. There was just an open white space, bits of plastic everywhere. And we went in, and these are a bunch of ex-fashion designers and people that worked in fashion. And what they do is they go around and they collect waste plastic from the restaurants and the stores oh, in the area. Wow. And they come back yeah. and they have CNC machines, moulding machines, yeah. and they separate all the plastic, yeah. and they play around with them. What they yeah, I saw create. the pictures. And I, was, I couldn't quite make out what no, it was all about. But it, it's wonderful. So they they have these sort of students who literally go out hunting and coming back with plastic, and then they'll play around with it and reconstitute it. Um, and they will they run tutorials for students, so schools, organising yeah. come and visit. Yeah, and they have brands as well, like Lush have run a workshop there. Oh, where they will right. turn up a load of their waste yep. plastic. Apparently, they turn up with three hundred kilograms of plastic. And they're That's looking brilliant. at how you reconstitute it. And yeah. right now, they actually have a display in Selfridges uh, constructed oh. from some of their recycled plastic. So it's incredible to see. They're working with corporate brands. They were making um, little um, packs and cases for North Face. And, and yeah. brands are buying into this idea because they bring their own waste, reconstitute yeah, it into yeah. a container, a shelf, a clothes hook. Yep. Uh, part of a display shelf, so their own waste is then recycled and used in the store. Yeah, that's amazing. Because actually, I remember uh, so moving into my new place, and I was getting I wanted to get new new sheets, new bedding, and, and pillows. So I went to uh, shout out to the White Company. Mm-hmm. Great, I thought, okay, right, you know, this is gonna, you know, they're gonna sting me here. But anyway, it's great stuff. But one of the pillows, they said, oh, you might want to try this. I said, what's it filled with? How is it duck down because whatever? No. Recycled plastic. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's, kind it's of... incredible. I and mean, what I love, you talk to the people there, and they're so enthusiastic. And right. Yeah. Different ideas. Yeah. They're using old packaging to create uh, acoustic baffles. Right. Um, and have these big sheets hanging up in the window, like a meter square, these sort of flat yeah. sheets of recycled plastic. A lady came in the other day, and she was sort of saying, "You know what? I want that. I want to tile my bathroom." with this plastic and they're even going could you mold a bath out of it so what they're finding is 
the limitations more imagination Car. than, than <laughs> construction and budget. You yeah. know, it's, it's like, how do we do this? So they've shifted yeah, yeah. from exploration and play. They're now, I mean, they were, one of the guys was hand injection molding some coasters. It was all oh, we've got to get 130 of these made by next Tuesday or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. So they're getting into working with <clears throat> production, but it's about education. Yes. And what was yeah, amazing, we spoke great. to Charlotte, yeah. one of the founders, and she was saying, What I would look, I said, Why don't you franchise this? Yeah, and she said, well, yeah. why don't we just give it away for free and make sure there's someone like this in every city? And I love that attitude. Right. They're not yeah, trying yeah. to monetize the offer. Yeah. What we want to do is spread the word of what can be done. Yeah. And they're simple hand machines. You know, it says the equipment costs a couple of hundred pounds. Yeah. And, and the word is spreading. Wow. Um, and well. it's wonderful to see spaces like that. Yeah. So that was one, that one end of the spectrum. Yes. Let's go to the other end. You mentioned it's Selfridges. Yes. Tell us about that. What's, what's, new, what's new there? Because well, I... I love Selby. I, mean, I admire it as a, I don't know, do you call it a brand or is it an institution? I think it's probably a bit of both. Yeah. yeah. What I love is, you know, department stores have had a kicking in the press uh, yeah. over the yeah. recent years. We've seen Debenhams disappear. We've seen House of Fraser get consumed up by yeah, Fraser yeah. Group. We've seen John Lewis struggling. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying the department store format is dead. What I love about Selfridge is, is they are constantly investing in changing and reinventing. Yeah. You know, we, we didn't spend long in Selfridges. I've learned the hard way on <laughs> safaris. You go into safaris and the whole group scatters and then two hours later, half of them turn up with yellow right. in so, <laughs> so we didn't dive yeah. too deep. But, you know, we, we were shown Corner Shop, which is yeah. a pop-up space right on the corner of Oxford Street and Duke Street, their primary uh, location. Right, yeah, yeah. They yeah. rent that space out. And you right. see wonderful immersive experiences yeah. in there. So they've still got the skateboard. Yeah, uh, and the other floor, the skateboard. And all there. the gear as well, the street gear. But it's a wonderful it's, it's, it's in the middle of all the streetwear, so yep. it's relevant. Yep. You turn up with a skateboard, and if you can prove that you can skate safely, it's free. Wow. And I've only okay. ever turned up during the week, but apparently the weekends it is heaving. Yeah. And you have the, the beautiful Art Deco uh, cinema in the basement. Yes. Which is fabulous. I haven't been there yet. Well, yeah, I, um, I need to go. The, the lovely Beverly Burnett gave me a tour around Selfridges, one of the clientele managers, and she said, yeah. you can actually walk into that space and have this lovely, muted, velvety, yeah. seating area. And she said, you right. can sit there with a coffee and do your Zoom calls all day. There's no problem. Really? That I had no right. idea. So you, okay. you don't have to just commit to the cinema. <clears throat> you have a wedding license. Yeah. You can get married in the store. You know, and, and one of my favourite things, is they've had Project Earth running for 18 months, which yeah. is more of a sustainable approach. Um, but they have stated that by 2030, they want 50% of their transactions right. to be uh, recycled, rental, and rewear. Right. 50% of all transactions for a premium department store is quite a lot of same. So, yeah, they are so progressive. I saw on that uh, statistic now, it was from ThreadUp. Thread? Is it ThreadUp or Thread? Anyway. But it was uh, the research was done by Global Data. So we know our friends at Global Data which said that by 2030, so it's not that far off, the pre-owned, second-hand, whatever you want to call it, market will be twice the size of the fast fashion. Now, whether that actually comes to pass, I don't know, but it's kind of like an indicator of the direction of travel. So well, well, I've, I've found that, that upcycling, recycling, is a fascinating area. My 16-year-old son loves going to charity shops. Oh, right. He'll, he'll send me a message going, yeah. a great pair of jeans from, from the Hall <laughs> Foundation yeah. store for £3. Yeah. And he loves that exploration, the sense of finding something himself, and obviously the value. Yes. A couple of months ago, I said, okay, why don't we go down to London this weekend, yep. where we're going to have a look at a load of stores. And we went around six or seven 
recycled stores, second-hand stores, thrift stores. Have you seen in the um, Superdrive on Oxford Street, you go up, I went in there shortly after it opened, about uh, just over a year ago, they've got a second-hand, on the, on the first floor you go up and there's a whole area mm. which is pretty much all Nike, Nike vintage. vintage. And I was talking to the store manager and he said that is the busiest, and he said, the dwell time, people come in for 45 minutes an hour easily and they just you know, look around that, that area. It's a fascinating area, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, what I found interesting though is when we spent the day looking around these stores is second-hand clothing has always been a value, cheap, and bargain. Yeah. It's, what I found fascinating yeah. now is it's becoming more sophisticated. It's not the cheap option. Yeah. It's the cool option. We went into... A bit like vintage watches. Yes. Yeah. And, and so there's, there's almost a prestige. Because some of us, we went to one, and I can't remember the name of it now, uh, in Covent Garden. And what we found was, it was almost like the Yosushi idea. Everything was yeah. color it was, You paid per kilo. Yeah. There were different price grades. But you know, I picked up an old old black Adidas t-shirt, and it was £30. So well, you mentioned was, Yosushi. I was having a beer with their... Um, CIO yesterday evening, oh, Adam. He, he's about seven foot tall. He's got introduced But it struck me that, that what we're finding now is that that upcycling is not about being dirt cheap. It's yeah. about you, it's the, the either the sustainable aspect or that it's cool to have these. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's and it, it's almost it? it's almost creating a premium price point. Yeah, um, in, yeah. And a hi, Paula. It's okay. It's okay. You can say hi. We're recording a we're podcast. Don't you, don't you worry. You, you just come and recording a podcast. You, you just come and interrupt us. We're in the middle of a podcast. So this is Paul, Paula from uh, Rethink Retail, who I'll be talking to a bit later. Uh, anyway, but yeah. So, so, so I, I think that's becoming a sophisticated one, and I've always said that uh, brands. Every brand should have a permanent upcycle category. Yeah, yeah. You get a lot of people that do the public streets for a month, or in their flagship, they'll do the category for a month, and then they stop. If they're serious, because I think, one, you control the quality of your second-hand clothing. Yeah. It's a revenue stream. It's a footfall driver. It ticks a sustainable box. And exactly. There's no reason why you shouldn't do this. And it should be well, more on. I mean, New Look, uh, I can't remember who they partner with, but they're doing that. Uh, in a number of stores, I think they're trialling it uh, for a full rollout. Primark, yeah, same. Primark have been rolled. So they did. So, um, what I, another third one I wanted to ask you about before we get on to what you're looking forward to here at the show was Souk. Yes. Yeah. Tell us about Souk. Souk is wonderful. Yeah. Um, John Hoyle set this business up about four years ago. Yeah. And it's the principle of a rentable pop up space. Yeah. And when they started, you could rent by the hour. And I yeah, was I remember, really yeah. intrigued by this because yes. their, their proposition is only rent the space when your audience yeah. is available. So they have things That's like a fantastic a, a concept. We're hiring between seven and nine to catch commuters on the way to the office. Ten thirty, they're at their desks. Yeah. So they, they were just hired for an hour and a half for two hours. Brilliant. Um, yeah, and, and I think is. the idea was primarily the intention was it would be for brands and retailers to rent the space. Yep. But I think it's become a community touch point. Right. Uh, and when we were in the store... Um, Which one did you, were you in, by We way? were on Oxford Street. The okay, Oxford Street right. Whereabouts on Oxford Street is it? It's um, towards the east end, near the Primark store at the east end. Ah, right, down that way, yeah. yeah. yeah and, and, and what's wonderful is, you know, I said to them, I said, you ought to be catching data on this because you've got one guy who makes it to propose to his girlfriend. 
yeah. of them was vaccination centre. Um, oh. You have community and arts projects renting it. So as well as the obvious thing like a DTC brand testing physical space yeah. or a big brand using it for a press launch, yeah. you have local communities. The first store was in Cambridge. And they said right. it's almost like a community centre oh, in the way that it gets used. Yeah. So uh, my Do they expect it to become, or is that just kind of happened by happy to, accident? I think it's by happy accident. Right, yeah. It's grown and they're, they're looking at international growth now as well. Yeah. There, was, um, there was a brand in there who, who, I think it was the fourth or fifth time, they were an athleisure brand. Yeah. Um, I've forgotten their name now, but... Um, the guy was there in the store and he's going, this is a wonderful way. He says, I only started a couple of years ago uh, and this is a great way for me to have physical touch point for a yeah. day or two days. Right, right. We've got um, a few minutes left. As you know, this is 15 minutes. We don't run over. Um, so you could be in mid-sentence and I'll cut you off. But in the last few minutes, uh, I said the, at, the, uh, at the top of this that we're at the retail technology show. Uh, I was sharing the headline uh, theatre yesterday it was absolutely rammed all day long not just in theatre but the whole show was uh, you know, incredible so we're day two just tell us what, what are you looking forward to uh, to seeing hearing a couple of talks that I'd like to get to. Um, yep. The challenge I have is I've also got five meetings with different people so <laughs> it's finding yeah. the time to wander around and yeah. meetings are important but it's finding the time to come and have a look but what I love about this show, there's a vibrancy. I went last year, yep. and it was probably one of the first major retail shows after all the yeah, lockdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a real sense of celebration. Yes, come out I remember it. Yeah, all it over the world coming along. Yeah. So I was intrigued to see what's it going to be like this year, now that we've had NRF and Euroshop. Euroshop, yeah. Shop, shop talk. talk. Yeah, so yeah. Do people have exhibition fatigue? Not at all. There's, there's an energy in this place. There and is, yeah, yeah. has done a fabulous job in, in making sure that... Seen huge queues to get into the theatres. Yes, I think the conferences and the talks are a real focal point for events like this. Uh, and I'd love to see organisers really emphasise that more, create more space for the talks. Yeah, because I think, as you say on the headline stage, we've got people like Stephen Bartlett and Jake Humphreys yesterday. Yeah, I mean the session with Jake I and mean, the the head, you know, it's kind of like you think it, it could have been double the size. I think it, it seats uh, about two hundred fifty. It could have been double that, and it would have been. Packed. Yes. Now, as you say, the same thing's going to happen today. I mean, we've got, I and mean, we're, we're sat here, and just behind you is uh, Mary Portis, who's going to be up uh, shortly, the first one uh, today, and that will be absolutely rammed, I'm sure of it. Same with Stephen. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Um, there's a, you know, a, there is a lot of vibrancy, yeah. and I think a lot of that is down to the build-up and so forth, which Matt and, uh, and his team at the 19 Group um, do. They've done a great job. They've done a great job. Well, we've got 30 seconds. 30 seconds. I might turn this into a bit of a feature, the closing thoughts. You know, <laughs> the thoughts or the thoughts of Chairman Ian uh, on this occasion. So, yeah, on anything you like. Okay. Physical retail is yeah. dead. Absolute bullshit. Absolutely, yeah. And another thing, now there's a session coming up, I think, today about uh, Omnichannel. Yes, Omnichannel. What the hell is that all about? I would put Omnichannel in Retail Room 101 along with the yeah. Metaverse. I don't like the word because it's a lazy marketing word. Consumers don't yes. use it. Yeah, when have you ever heard somebody say, I'm just popping out to do a bit of Omnichannel? You know, you pop out to do a bit of shopping. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. We, oh. So I've um, failed miserably because we've just gone over time. It's 15 minutes. But Ian, thanks so much. That was fantastic. Have a great day. Thanks, Andrew. Thank